1: Welcome to a special episode of the Better Faster Podcast. Today we have Dr. Shante Cofield, a.k.a. the Movement Maestro, joining us. That's a really cool handle, by the way. I like that.
2: You have a really Uh, cool accent, by the way. I like that. South, baby.
1: (laughs) So uh, Shante is a physical therapist that practices out of Los Angeles, California. She's also an educator for Rock Tape and is actually going to be coming to our hometown at our clinic, Vertex PT Specialist in Columbia, South Carolina, on February 3rd to teach the FNT Blades Certification co- certification Course. Use mouthful. A That's a long ways from home.
2: It is, but it's so, worth it.
1: <laughs> so uh, thank you for joining us. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I love doing these things, and you guys reached out to me. I was super pumped about this. Uh, so thank you very much.
1: Yeah, I appreciate course, you Thanks Thank you for your time, by the way. Mm-hmm. So um just wanted to kind of start out by asking you about your story. Why did you decide to become a physical therapist, and how did you get started in the continuing education world?
2: So I originally did not want to be a PT. I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. And that was since I was a little kid. I just had my sights set on that. I tore my ACL when I was 15. I think all of us have some sort of story like that. We get injured. So I tore my ACL when I was 15. Still wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. Applied to college. Went to college. Was pre-med. Did all that. And then it came time to take the MCATs, and I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. <laughs> and my guidance counselor was like, How about PT? And I was like, Okay, I guess. Like, I went to PT for a million years when I had my ACL. Uh, so I applied, got in, started two weeks after I graduated, and hated it. I hated every day. Um, I'm not going to lie about that. I did not enjoy PT school. Um, I thought I should have been, I was like, oh, I made the wrong choice. I graduated, became a PT, practiced for two years, still hated it. Uh, and then discovered that there was more to, to being a PT than what they teach you in school. And I got into, um, teaching. I took the rock tape course for my knees. I took it for myself. I think a lot of us do that also. We take courses, you know, like, oh, I'll be the model for this back mm-hmm. exercise. And my back is broken. Uh, <laughs> so I took it for my knees cause my knees were killing me. And I realized in, in an instant that there was so much more to PT than what they teach you in school. <coughs> Not to put school down, but, you know, school can only teach you but so much, and, and it least that foundation, and then you go and realize, hey, there's a whole other world. And rock tape up my eyes to that. I took the course for Perry Nicholson, Stop Chasing Pain, for those of you that are familiar with mm-hmm. social media. I took it for him, uh, and he rocked my world, and I wrote to him that Sunday and was like, Perry, how do I become an instructor for this? And, you know, the ball got rolling, the wheels got turning, and fast forward a year... After that, and I started working for Rock Tape, and my life has been changed and amazing, and the dream ever since.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> that that's a that's actually a good point. I'm I'm hearing that like more and more from PT students that they're kind of getting like disenchanted with the profession while they're in school, but then to, to kind of turn that around though, they, it seems that like a lot of the really good continuing education courses and the, the instructors out there kind of changing their minds once they actually uh-huh. you know get around. I think that might just be a reflection of. Maybe certain PT schools, you know, I know mine was awesome. I loved it. You know, it was that's definitely good. stressful, but we did have a lot of manual therapy. Had some really good instructors that were very like open minded about things, and, and maybe that's why. Maybe we just had a little bit of a different um, background with that. But um, I do hear that quite a bit.
2: Um, I think I think with the advent of social media too one of the things that we're seeing right now is that students are exposed to newer concepts that definitely will not be taught in school because they mm-hmm. can't because it's not on the boards. And so they're kind of like, why am I not learning this right now? And it's like, because the, the chip doesn't turn that fast, right? Yep. Like mm-hmm. you have to yeah, learn they're these still, things first. You're still going
1: so to have on your board exam, right? Exactly. Uh-huh. You ha-
2: it's like, go get the license and then you can do everything else. So I think that that's what I'm seeing a lot now with, with students right now that aren't as fortunate as you guys, um, that they're kind of, Seeing what's out there, seeing what they're getting, and being like, hey, what's going on? And I always said the same thing like, you're already ahead of the game, first of all, because I was nowhere near this when I was in school. And this, you know, go pass your tests, learn mm-hmm. the foundations, learn the rules so that you can creatively break them afterwards. Yeah, I mean that's so, um, exactly
3: we're experiencing that right now. I'll tell you the truth, anyway, I just went through last summer um, was of course modalities uh, as required, and you know they I will give credit to our school. I am at the University of South Carolina, where Brandon is a, a graduate of, but they they did a great job of trying to turn it into more of a pain science course. That's and, awesome. You know they they t- they and they kinda tell, tell you you got to know this stuff too. Like you got to mm-hmm. know the the parameters for uh, you know continuous ultrasound yeah. and whatever yeah. you're going through. But, you know, yeah. they did a great job of trying to mold it into That's some of the awesome. newer stuff. So, we you know, I know we are very fortunate on that. But, uh, again, you, you mentioned social media. I know I look out for those daily maestroisms. Uh, I, I really do appreciate that, especially as a student to know. You, know, Thank you to be able to see some of that connection to actual clinical practice. So, um, cool. you know, that's a, a shout out to there. If you're not following, uh, Dr. Cofield on, uh, on social media, that's that's a follow that you need to be, uh, checking in. Thank on, you, on, my on. dude.
2: I appreciate that. Thank you.
3: Yeah, those are great. You're, you're busy. You got to get a follow. Yeah. I know. Like, I mean, like, I mean, I I'm impressed. There's like 600 of them, aren't there? Or five,
2: like, I think you are close. <laughs> to yeah. We're almost at 600. We're closing yeah. in. I was like, wow, <laughs> this is a lot. I guess I should like, I don't know how long I'm going to do them. I'm kind of like, it's like a very farce gum thing. I'm like, I just started doing it one day, and I don't know when I'm going to stop. One day, I'll just going to be like, "Okay, I'm done."
3: See. <laughs> that's that's a perfect reference. I love it. <laughs> well, Shante, I you, also I
1: saw on your website you have a cash-based practice. Is that correct? Yeah,
2: I do. Um, I left that insurance model a few years ago. I was really disenchanted by it, and you know, I'm not here to put it down. There are lots of clinics and practices out there that are doing a good job and providing really good care within that model. I didn't feel that it was for me, Uh, and so I I took a step back, and I I could take a step back because I was teaching for Rock Tape, and so I had the income to be able to take a step back, and I didn't need the booming practice. Uh, So I I treat in Culver City, which is a little bit 20 minutes from where I live now, and all of my patients come from social media, um, which has been a really interesting, a really positive change uh, because you don't have to act as a salesman. I think sometimes with physical therapy, you have to kind of sell physical therapy a little bit because people don't know what it is. Right. We're not the greatest marketers, and they don't, they come in because their doctor sent them, or their wife sent them, or something that they don't really want to be there, and you have to kind of sell it. Everyone that comes to see me wants to be there, so I'm already you know starting off uh, a step ahead of the game. Um, I do hour-long sessions that are usually end up being an hour and a half because, as you can tell, I like to talk and kind of <laughs> run Um So it's usually like an hour, hour and a half, one-on-one with me, um, and I I like the model. I think I you know try to explain to those patients, and I really don't have to do it that much, but I explain to them. <laughs> That at the end of the day, they will save money when it comes to I will see you less times uh, because they they come in and they want to do their stuff. And they really understand that as a physical therapist, I'm a guide or I'm a coach. I'm not going to fix them. Uh, And so they, they go and do their own thing. I see them two, three times, four times, and then they're on their way. And we're both happier for that.
1: Awesome. Yeah, That's so they're awesome. a little more invested in their care. Actually, yeah. I got your website pulled up that says insurance is a devil. That's
2: <laughs> it is. gonna keep it real. I now what,
3: in, in Los Angeles, I know I'm familiar with South Carolina, but what are the uh, the current like direct access type uh, type laws or restrictions out in California?
2: So the direct access is actually a bit better than um, where I was in New York. Mm-hmm. Mainly the biggest difference that I noticed is um, the the not the age, I guess I going to say your treatment age or your practice age, meaning in New York you couldn't have direct access until you were, like, I think three years out oh, wow. of school. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm well beyond that, but um, here you can do it right away, okay. right at the jump. Um, and then I think it's, I don't know, 30 days, something like that, uh, some low number that you right. kind of skirt around doing other, other things or, or seeing them for different different uh, pathologies or different diag- diagnoses. Right. Um, but it's... The biggest limitations I'm seeing is what we can do in terms of we cannot dry needle. Um, mm-hmm. That's, you know, a big thing. Um, adjustments, not that I do that, is another issue um, that, you know, we could probably talk about that for hours and how things are state by state, and that's kind of crazy. Uh, but right. that's probably the biggest difference that I'm saying. Oh, okay, interesting. That,
1: that That's interesting because, like, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm from the South. It's a red state. I would assume that, you know, California would be one of the most liberal states where you do whatever you want to, but that's... Yeah, that's so the a, thing
2: is... That's actually what happens, is that in these more liberal states, uh, blue states, other lobbying boards have more power. Acupuncturists mm. have a huge lobbying, a huge lobby. There's huge power there. So mm. for us, you know, there's always the argument, people come from that mindset of scarcity. Uh, they think we're doing what, what, you know, we're trying to do what they're doing, which means that they're going to lose patience. And so they said, no way, you can't do it. And same thing with adjustments, where it's like, you know, Kairos think that we're going to do what they're doing, and we're going to take all the patients. And at the end of the day, we're all trying to help people out. Right, uh, But those turf wars that lead to well not being able to do things. Right.
3: Got,
1: yeah. gotcha. And um, just one more question about your practice. So, yeah. cash base, uh, direct access. So that means that you are like don't see you can't see like Medicare beneficiaries, right? No. Gotcha. So uh, does that mean like you're patient population is like mostly younger weekend warrior. no it's all
2: over the board it's it's anyone who who it's really social media i would say it's anyone who's on social media or has someone else who's on social media that finds me that way uh and then they come and see me whether it's um weekend warrior mom that wants to get back to skiing i i will see anyone who wants to move better i don't care what your age is you know yeah it's it's anyone who the door, then, and typically there is some sort of social media connection to
3: that. That's awesome. And that kind of actually, you, you know, kind of a little off topic, but, you know, I, I you know, Brandon and I both have own businesses, and social media, of course, is now such a big marketing tool. What are some, uh, you know, how did you get so good at this? Um, you know, it's uh, selfishly, I'm trying to improve my yes. social media game, so you have, or are resources that you, you know, you found out people you look to to see what they're doing. I know I'm watching what you're doing, and it's kind of, That's you know, I'm it. trying to get some ideas.
2: Yeah. Number one is watch other people, or. T- doing mm-hmm. number two be consistent number yeah. three be genuine a struggle you know, be with authentic. Two there PT that's that's sometimes the drives, Yeah,
3: exactly. <laughs> that is the data, biggest thing. People are
2: like ah, oh, because they ask me like, "How do you do it?" And I'm like, "It takes a long time." Like those the DMs right. that I put up, that takes me like about an hour. I'm not gonna lie. I'm like, "Oh, I do it in five minutes." Like <laughs> those posts, I think about them a lot. I want to make sure that I'm not gonna get super trolled by what I'm saying oh, yeah. in it, and like my <laughs> my wording is fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it takes me some time to do that. And the videos that I put up too, it takes those are a bit faster, but the DMs take me some time. And so it's. I, you get, there's a good return on investment, but it's a significant investment. But when it comes to growing your account, you know it's very much be consistent. You have to post at least once a day. You, it's just a, a fact of the matter. I, I do twice a day now, um, but you have to post at least once a day. You know It's called social media for, a media for a reason. Reach out to other accounts. Talk to them. Uh, yeah. You guys probably follow Teddy Wilsey or yeah. Strength Coach Strength Therapy. Coach therapy. Yes. Yep. So yep. he reached out to me, I guess, last year, and he maybe had – Five hundred followers. Yeah. I don't know He's got it was before like 100 he started plus thousand or something hundred thousand yeah. exactly. And he had, we had the same discussion, and he was like, "Should I invest in it? What do you think?" And it was kind of like, "This is the same discussion I had. And you will get out of it what you put into it, but you have to be consistent and you have to be genuine about it because uh, people could smell, you know, right. they could smell from a mile away." Uh, and so, those, I think that's the number one thing. It's like, yes, there are also the Obvious, you know, tricks of the trade where if you happen to be a pretty female and not wear that many clothes, that will maybe make <laughs> Unfortunately, your- Unfortunately, I, I don't meet that Exactly. There. I'm like, I don't know about <laughs> yeah. that, but that's <clears throat> always helpful for people. Um, but, you know, when it comes to the the legit stuff, it, it's right. be consistent and be genuine.
1: Okay. I do, love it. Do you handle all that yourself or do you have like a social media? I do. Manager? I oh, do wow. it
2: all myself and- I think that you can do it, uh, you could outsource it, absolutely, but that second point that I feel of being genuine, mm-hmm. you might lose that when you go with somebody else. And so in the beginning, at least, I think it's really important because it depends what kind of followers you get. If you want to just want to grow your numbers, then it doesn't really matter. If you want to get people that are genuinely invested in you, I think personally. It's best if you go and you're the one answering their ca- their comments and you're the one that's responding to their DMs at least to start off with. Right. Uh, and people people appreciate it. They write back and they're like, "Holy smokes, I didn't think you'd write back." And it's like, it's just me. I'm just a person here. And you took time to write to me. I will take the time to write back.
1: Awesome, For sure. It's like anything else. You gotta, you know, you get what you put in. Like you said, it is.
2: Awesome. Mm-hmm. Brilliant.
1: Well, let's uh let's switch gears now. Let's let's talk about this course coming up. Since uh, let me repeat it, since I butchered in the intro, it's the <laughs> FMT blade certification course. It's one day, yes. uh, February third, Saturday at Columbia, South Carolina. Can you give us a summary about what we can look forward to? Just kind of the well, big
2: picture. To start off with, it is, and I teach a bunch of courses for Rock Tape. It's my currently my favorite course to teach for Rock Tape because not only do we discuss blades or I stand tooling, uh, we talk a little bit about tape. We talk a ton about movement we bring in pain science and we really do our best to dispel some myths and kind of break away from what people are traditionally thinking uh, using a tool is about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 10,000-foot view is that we are going to give you the science behind how a, in this case, it's going to be metal tools, how they, how they work. All right, we're going to talk about the neurophysiology behind it and the mechanical effects behind using a tool. And we, we emphasize heavily the neurological and neurophysiological effects, because the main way that you're having your effect when you touch someone, whether it's with your hands or a foam roller or a tool, we call them blades, uh, the main way you're having your effect is through the nervous system. So we spend a good deal of time uh, discussing the nervous system, how we interact with the nervous system, how pain science ties into that. And the fact that when we're using a tool, we are in all likelihood not breaking up scar tissue. Our tissue is just far too robust for that. Uh, and, and as such, we shouldn't leave our patients bruised and battered, uh, you know, they're, we are, they're not trophies for us on social media. Uh, we, can, we can get a tremendously positive effect without all the bruising. You know, My big tagline when I teach it is, bruising is not better, better is better. So we spend the morning going over five different treatment strokes that tap into different receptors uh, within the tissue. And then we spend the second half of the day discussing movement. Uh, we, we present three models or three lenses through which we, we can kind of screen movement. And then we use the tools to see if you can change your partner's movement patterns. So we give you that application. And then we do some case studies, and then we go home happy. It's a good day. Awesome.
1: I, I, I appreciate what you said about the scar tissue thing. That's actually like a big pet peeve of mine. Uh-huh. I hear that, like, all the time more often than not. It's patient comes in, so... My, my PT, my chiropractor, my massage therapist says that I have scar tissue in my arm and that they need to break it up with their hands or some kind of a scraping tool. And, like, I had a, I had a conversation with an orthopedic surgeon before, and he's like, dude, it's hard for me to saw through that stuff with a the scalpel. There's exactly. no way you're going to do that with your hands. Like,
2: exactly. So thank,
1: thank you for shedding light on that. Like, what are some of the other, like, myths that are going to get dispelled during this? Uh, like,
2: that like, more vaping, aggressive for example, is better.
1: like, Go ahead. Uh, like uh, so, some of the stuff about taping. Um, I've <laughs> actually never taken a taping course. I know that we hear a lot about facilitation and, and yeah. Throw innovation. that out the window, okay?
2: Don't worry right. about that. <laughs> yeah. Throw that right out the window. That's uh, also good to
3: hear you say that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that, that's not how that works. Uh, we, just, we cover it very briefly in this course um, because we have you know, an actual two-day course is devoted to taping. But people always have their questions, and so we, we do give a little intro to taping. And the main thing with taping is that tape works in a very similar way that the tool works and that is through neurophysiological means. It's tapping into the nervous system, tapping into the receptors there, bringing awareness to the area, helping with motor control, cueing. Uh, and it does have a mechanical effect, but the mechanical effect is actually decompression, uh, meaning it wants to recline itself, it wants to lift the tissue. Really nice for bruising and swelling, things like that. Um, and then pain mitigation, which is, is occurring, uh, again, via neurophysiological or, or neurological effects. This, this inhibition facilitation uh, that's not how tape works. Um, directionality of application, in terms of turning something on and turning something off, is also not how it works. Because if that was the case, then if you massage someone, you would only ever go in one direction. Uh, tape would not be any different than your hands, right? Uh, so it doesn't work like that. We do in our in our level two taping course talk about directionality of application. But that is more so in terms of a, a, a really cool technique we call tweak taping, which is a way to change the afferent input to the brain. It's a way to change the signal being sent to the brain, a way to change motor control. Uh, but it's not because it's, we're turning this on or turning that off. Uh, so we let la- we kind of lay the foundation for tape of just, hey, here's how you can change someone's movement with tape in an instant because we're tapping into the nervous system. So that's a big one that I think, uh, another big thing that's, a, a, that's debunked uh, within the course.
1: Awesome. Good stuff. So um, we're, we're physical, I'm a physical therapist. Josh is a PT student. I know it's open to students, but who, who else is allowed to take this course? I actually had a strength coach inquire about this. Um, or Amanda, this is for you. Um, who, who, who can sign up for this?
2: That's a great question. I always put this when people ask me online. We open our doors to anyone and everyone. And we got some kickback from that. And I think that that also comes from a mindset of scarcity. Um, but we open our doors to everyone. Now that's, this is the certification course, but that is not to say that after you take this course, you are now licensed to go and do this on everyone and everyone, uh, everyone and anything rather. Uh, no, what we're saying is we're giving you the information and then it's up to you to go back to your state, whatever that is, and know what your practice access or know what your legal parameters are, whether you are a physical therapist, a personal, a personal trainer, a Cairo, a massage, whatever it is you are student, whatever uh, it's up to you then to go back and say, legally, am I allowed to do this? We are just giving you that education, that understanding, that knowledge, because at the end of the day, we realize you're going to get it from somewhere. So it might as well be from a good source. Uh, so we open our doors to everyone: strength coaches, uh, you know, massage therapists. I think it's really important that we're all starting at the same, giving some, given We all have. You can all speak the same language. Uh, whether or not people can do it, okay, you know, that's like I said, that's that's up to you to determine legally. But speaking the same language is is hugely important. And I think that for me, I really like when I see trainers and such in my courses, because whether you like it or not, they are first line medical providers of some sort. Mm -hmm. They will seek, think about, you know, you guys are in the CrossFit world, I'm in the CrossFit world. Think about how many people a CrossFit coach sees in a single day. Oh wow! How much movement. (laughs) And most of those people have some sort of pain. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, these people are more apt to go to CrossFit than they are to their doctor, right? they're going to be like yeah it's going to be hard my doctor, I'm going to pay this insurance so they're like I'm going to go to CrossFit, maybe I won't do this squat maybe I won't do this thing, I'm going to ask my coach my shoulders have been bugging me they, they, these, these coaches are essentially first line providers and so we need to equip them with some sort of understanding so that even, if it's, even if it's just understanding so that they can say okay I will refer out uh, we open our doors to everyone with that mind
3: Awesome. Right. Well, from a student perspective, I know, okay, so, you know, I'm I'm asking this question from a student. If I'm thinking about taking this course, and I know, you know, we're already taking on loans, we're already, you know, we're, we already have to study so much other stuff that we may or may not use when we actually are practicing, but we do have to know it at least uh, for the time being. And most of us are probably on limited budgets on, on, uh, you know, for courses like this. So, why? Uh, why should a student, if they're thinking about doing this, what what would you say to the student population on why it would be important to maybe take this now? Why you can?
2: I would honestly say, because I am, I'm not about bsing anyone. I would say take it because you're interested in it, and if you have all those other things and you're concerned about costs and things like that, don't take it. Because one of the things that's going to happen is, I, I always caution students about taking a bunch of continuing ed before they graduate or before they're in a setting where they can actually apply it Uh, because then they go and they get all these great ideas and then you go back and you have nowhere to use it or anything to do with it Um, and then you lose all of it or you go back and you're like, well, this isn't on the boards and now I'm confused. So my straight up answer would be like, if you're truly concerned, don't take it. If you're truly interested and you're the type of person that's a, you know, that that go-getter and you're like, I'll practice it on myself, I'll use it on myself, I'll use it on my family, i use it on my friends, that's when I would say go and take it and start getting this understanding because the information that we're going to present you with, not the actual didactics of how to use a tool. Because How to use a tool is easy. You could go online and learn it. It's not rocket science. The background, the understanding of what's happening, this introduction to pain science, that's why you should consider taking this, this course because that stuff is always going to be relevant. It may not be on your boards, but it's excellent to start thinking that way now because at the end of the day, our goal is to help our patients. Right. Yes, we must pass the boards first. But in the back of our mind, it's about to just help our patients. So, if you can start building that foundation now, that's why I would say take it. Awesome.
3: Well, I know I'm, I'm going to be there. I'm excited to take it. It should be should I'm be a great to see course. You there. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a lot of fun. I'm I'm uh, happy that you're coming to a, a town near us. That's always good.
2: Ah, <laughs> I'm, pumped. I'm pumped. Your should boy is you know, a persistent guy. <laughs> he, uh, he got it. He got it done. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, you you clearly know your stuff, and I appreciate your matter of fact. Uh, no BS approach. Yes, um, that's, me too. It's actually very refreshing. Um, <laughs> very. Before we wrap this up, for, for anyone who's listening, uh, you know, I think you're pretty easy to find on social media, but what's the best way for people to find you if they want to look you up? The very
2: best way is through Instagram. Uh, my Instagram handle is The Movement Maestro, Maestro being spelled M-A-E-S-T-R-O. Um, but I'm also on Facebook, and I will answer you there, but I'm much better about getting back to things, and it's just faster uh, on Instagram. The easiest way my email is the same it's all the same Like continuity brand branding uh it's all my email is also the movement at gmail.com so any of those platforms i'll get back to you good
3: deal good deal that's awesome well right, we can't well, thank you enough for for coming on and giving us uh, some time out a busy schedule if you're doing your own social media i know you don't have a ton of time so thank you <laughs> for uh for giving us some time uh, uh we can't wait to have you in town um brandon anything else you wanted to cover ma'am
1: no, that was it. Thank you Thank you again, Shantae, for your time. Right. Um, just one more time, it is the FMT Blade Certification Course, Vertex PT Specialist, Columbia, South Carolina, February 3rd. In addition, there's another course coming up in Columbia at Carolina CrossFit. That is the Fitness Athlete Live Seminar with Mitch Babcock and oh, Ryan nice. Smith. Mm-hmm. So um, I hope you all have a great rest of the week, and we'll see you next Monday.
2: <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialist. One patient per doctor of physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. Check us out at VertexPT.com or on the gram at VertexPT.